you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and on today's episode, we are going to take a look at the Orioles' next opponent. It is a quick two-game series against the Miami Marlins. Of course, really the surprise playoff team from the expanded playoffs in 2020. Not only did they make the playoffs, but beat the Cubs in the first round, kind of became the darlings of Major League Baseball uh, at one point last year. We really never get to see the Orioles play the Marlins back-to-back years, uh, but that is what's happening, and we will break down this quick two-game series on today's episode with Aram Layton. He is the host of Locked on Marlins here on the Locked on Podcast Network. So all that is coming up today on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So to preview the Miami Marlins and their two-game midweek series against the Orioles, we welcome in Aram Layton. Again, he is the host of the Locked On Marlins podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. He also hosts uh, Locked On MLB Prospects, which is a pod you should all be listening to uh, because, of course, the Orioles with a top-five farm system, and he covers different Orioles prospects many times on that pod. Uh, but Aram, you've been on this pod before, but thank you so much for joining us once again. Absolutely. Always love to come on, whether it's uh, it's usually prospect related. Right. But now we got, like you said, back to back years of Marlins uh, Orioles. So it's cool to be on uh, to preview a series again. Yeah, kind of a, a weird series um, for these two teams, especially for the Orioles, a, a little two game stint. And for the O's, it's kind of a, a break week for them in that. They have a Monday off day and a Thursday off day, which you're rarely going to get in a Major League Baseball season. Um, The Orioles have already started taking advantage of that, uh, sent Dean Kramer down to the alternate site because they won't need a fifth starter. uh, So wanted to get him a little extra work down there. Um, But but we want to focus on, you know, the guys who who are going to pitch in this series. And and we're going to get to the starting pitchers uh, for each team. But we're talking Orioles. We're talking Marlins and Orioles fans would come at me if I did not bring up this name to start the pod. And that is Zach Pop. Of course, he was taken by the Diamondbacks from the Orioles in the rule five draft was quickly flipped over to the Marlins in a trade and has been in the bullpen for Miami you know, through the first couple weeks of the season. So the question everyone wants to know from a guy who watches the Marlins every day, first of all, from zero to 100, what what percentage chance are you putting on the fact that Zach Pop, let's say, what percentage chance would you say that he is returned to the Orioles? What would you say the percentage of that happening this year is? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I'd probably put it at 10%. Oof. Um, because the only thing that's weird with the Marlins right now is, is the bullpen struggling. Uh, they've given up three wins with that bullpen. Uh, Pop has looked really good, but at times has also looked you know like a guy that, as coming off of injury that doesn't have a ton of innings under his belt, but you can see what, what he has, but the Marlins have two rule five guys in their bullpen right now. Pop is better than the other guy, Paul Campbell that came over from the race, but you know, however it shakes out, I don't think the Marlins should have two rule five guys. I think they're redundant. I would put it higher that they part with Campbell, but I'll give it a 10% chance. If, if something happens with the Marlins, they make a move, they have an opportunity to bring in a couple arms. And uh, I know they like Anthony Bender, a minor leaguer. You never know. Um, I think it's possible, but I do know that the Marlins are are really excited about Zach Pop, and for good reason. I mean, he's got great stuff. 
So even the, you know, it's a, it's a 14.54 ERA for him right now, four and a third innings, seven runs, three hits, three walks, five Ks and two homers, even the kind of, you know, tough numbers to start has the the stuff looked a little better than the numbers. Absolutely. And I think for him, you know, it, it's been a matter of just throwing strikes as, as simple as that is. He falls behind guys and the fastball is good, but I mean, he, he works off the fastball and the breaking ball. And when he falls behind and he's got to, he's got to come in with the fastball. I mean, it's the major leagues. They're going to hit it. And uh, that's been the problem for him is he falls behind. And then that's when he gets really buried. It's been both home runs have been on that fastball and hitters counts. And when he gets ahead, I mean, he, he overpowers guys when he, when he's locating, he is tough to hit. I mean, the slider has an 85% whiff rate so far this year, which is absurd. It's a ridiculous pitch. Nobody has a hit off it, but the fastball when he's behind it's hittable. So that that's been the issue with him. Um, I think the Marlins right now are looking to try to put him in situations where, you know, it's not as high leverage, uh, there's not as much to worry about, but the reality is the bullpen's so shaky that he ends up finding his way into situations where it's pretty high leverage. And uh, the, the Marlins, that that would be a situation where if the Marlins keep winning, they had a good week, they won five of seven. And if they're in a position here where they think that, you know, they could maybe make a run, um, which is probably less likely, but if they feel that way, then they might be less patient with a guy like Zach Pop. And that's where I give the, the 10% chance. So we'll be interesting uh, if he does pitch in one of these two games to see him throw against the Orioles without ever throwing for the Orioles uh, in the major leagues after, you know, not being the, the centerpiece by any means, but being part of the Manny Machado trade. It's going to definitely be interesting to see the Orioles have to face that guy in the major leagues before even getting him to the major leagues. But want to talk about the two guys uh, who are definitely going to pitch uh, for the Marlins in this series, and that is the two starting pitchers. And let's start with the Tuesday night starter. I think the guy who is much less known by Orioles fans and probably baseball fans in general, and that is Nick Nider, the 24-year-old right-handed pitcher uh, who came over in that D Gordon trade from the Mariners a couple years ago and and seems to be at least so far uh, the top guy from that trade. What what does, does Nider bring, and, and what should kind of opposing fans know about him because you know he's made two starts this year he's thrown 17 career innings and many people probably haven't gotten to watch him pitch before yeah it's, it's a great question because Nick Neidert's one of those classic pitching prospects that are under the radar that a fan base is like super hyped on and then nobody else knows who he is it's kind of say similar to like Dean Kramer honestly where it's like you can see what this guy's capable of but he's not like the toolsiest guy doesn't have the most ridiculous stuff and so fans are more excited I think with Nider, he, he's always been a guy that can just flat out pitch. He throws strikes. He's got a plus change up. He locates the fastball really well, but he was always in the low nineties and the breaking ball was kind of, you know, lagging behind the other two pitches. And as a result, he just was never getting the huge prospect attention, but he was always putting up good numbers. He was a minor league pitcher of the year for the Marlins in 2018, then was hurt in 2019 with a bad meniscus and uh, then came back in the Arizona fall league and looked really good. I've been impressed with him so far. The velocity has actually jumped. He's looked much better uh, with the fastball. The changeup is a really good pitch. As long as he is locating and getting ahead of guys, I mean, he, he is really, he's really solid. He's going to pitch to contact. He's going to get ahead and he's going to give you quality starts. I, I've been excited to see him finally pitch and he's not somebody that's going to rack up 10 strikeouts, but he's a guy that's going to, you know, make you, get yourself out. And before you know it, it's the sixth inning and you only have one run and uh, he, he's cruising through with a low pitch count. That's kind of his mold. Uh, the only issue is sometimes I think he tries to be a little bit too careful because he doesn't have the you know supreme confidence in his stuff just yet, but he kept 
he kept a really good Mets lineup in check. Uh, he's looking pretty good. And I think this is a big start for him to kind of see what, what direction he's going to go in now as, you know, as the Marlins start to figure out what they're going to do with their rotation as some guys come back from injury. Yeah, you mentioned him being too, caref- too careful. I just got to ask you quickly, through nine innings, he's walked nine. He's allowed eight hits. How in the world have only four runs scored against him with that many base runners on in nine innings? It's absurd. And the wild thing, too, is that he really doesn't or didn't walk guys throughout his entire minor league career. It's it's exactly why, you know, I say too careful is because the command is great. I think it's just he finds himself nibbling. I think he's had a little bit of luck, but he also when his back's against the wall, that's where he really starts to locate. And all of a sudden he looks like a different guy. It's almost like when he's forced to, to trust his stuff then he trusts his stuff, you know, bases loaded. You can't be too careful. You got to go after guys. And there was a couple bases loaded situations against the Mets where he made his best pitches of the day. So that's where I really want to see him just attack. And uh, you know, the, the Orioles are a team that they can sneak up on you. That offense can get hot and, and there's some good hitters in that lineup, but I'd still like to see him, you know, it's, it's not the Mets at least where I, I'd like to see him have a little bit more confidence and attack and uh, just see how it goes. But that's really the only reason why I think you're seeing the, the high walk rate, uh, the, the hits, he's going to give up hits, you know, just because the stuff's not incredible, but he's going to get a lot of ground balls. And, and that's kind of the way he is. So I've got to go to the Wednesday starter. Then the guy that everyone in Miami, a lot of people across baseball, many fantasy baseball players, especially are very, very excited about what they've seen from Trevor Rogers through three starts. He will make his fourth start in game two of this series against the Orioles. I mean, the left-hander has been fantastic. Three starts, 15 innings, a 2-4-0 ERA, 23 strikeouts in those 15 innings. I mean, you know, we've known about Rodgers for the past couple of years, but what has allowed him to get to that extra gear so far in 2021? Yeah, you know, with Rodgers, he was a guy going into this year. I gave him out as uh, for for fantasy people, for for anybody. I was just like, keep your eye on Trevor Rogers uh, for the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast because I was like, this guy is putting it together. And for him, it was really uh, command was one, but two, he started to really figure out what kind of pitcher he was. I think before he was not really, he didn't really have an identity and he was trying to figure out what he was going to try to do. I overpower guys and I'm more of a finesse lefty. And as he started to really tap into his stuff a bit more and he started to realize that, okay, I get ridiculous spin rates on my fastball. It is hard to pick up. He started just attacking dudes with the heater and he never did that before. And last year we started to see how uncomfortable that heater is for, for lefties and righties. Also, his best out pitch is his changeup. He doesn't throw it quite as much as a slider because the changeup works, you know, for lefties and righties, but it's more of a pitch against righties where the slider, he's comfortable kind of using it for both guys. But the changeup is his best out pitch and working off of a fastball that is now running up to 98. So he's seen a big jump in velo where before he was averaging 93, 94 miles an hour. Now he's averaging 95 and has touched 98 several occasions. You pair that with the crazy spin rates, the running action it has, and the fact that it plays to both lefties and righties. I mean, it's tough. And then having that change up, that gives him a really good shot to strike a lot of righties out compared to most other southpaws. And then the fact that he changed his grip on his slider, I think that was really big too, because the slider was not good uh, before last year changed the grip on his slider, and it's become a much more solid pitch. It's not a plus pitch, but it's good enough. And working off of that fastball, really the true reason why he is so good is that fastball. And I think you'll see it uh, when he goes out there and pitches. It's one of those that gets on you really quick because he's so tall and so long. 
And you pair that with the high VLO now, the high spin rates, and it has everything basically you want out of a fastball and the weird delivery. It's just, it's a really unique situation here and where he's working off of that fastball, which has one of the best whiff rates, if not the best whiff rate, I think in baseball for a heater. I mean, when you can work off of a pitch like that and when your fastball is like that, I mean, you're, you're good. You're good to go for to have some success. So we're going to take a break here with Arm Layton of Locked on Marlins. When we come back, we will take a look at the Marlins hitters who has been performing this year on a lineup that does look somewhat similar, but there is a new fresh face that has been uh, captivating baseball. We'll talk about him and uh, this matchup as a whole when we come back. This episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and it's fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. The ring from Platt Boutique is amazing when I was looking at this collection. It's so simple and clean-cut, the vintage details are just incredible. It's a perfect little ring that's so timeless it would make the perfect gift. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. And this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers and phones with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On Orioles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So back here with Arm Layton, host of Locked On Marlins. We just uh, went through the Marlins starting pitchers for this two-game series. Uh, between the O's and the fish that is Nick Neidert and Trevor Rogers, but we got to switch to the offensive side and, you know, looking at this Marlins lineup, you know, they've gotten a good start from Jesus Aguilar and, you know, Corey Dickerson has been solid. I know they will be without Starling Marte in this series. Who's had a, a good start to his season and kind of Adam Duvall has been the RBI man, but it seems like the main difference in this lineup this year is the production of the 23 year old jazz Chisholm. He has been unbelievable. I mean, it has been, I can't tell you how happy Marlins fans are to see this because I mean, as you probably know, it's been pretty rough for a lot of the hitting prospects coming up for the fish over the last year or so, which they've had a great system and you just hope that you have that conversion, but it hasn't been there for the hitters and jazz 
a guy that had a lot of swing and miss issues has really put those to bed so far this year. And I would say the biggest reason why is he's just not swinging as big. He's not swinging as hard. He started to realize, I think a, a big moment where things clicked for him was when he turned around a hundred elevated from Jacob DeGrom with two strikes. And if you look back at that video, it is the most short, quick, and simple swing. Whereas if you watch old video of him, he would swing out of his shoes. And I think he realized, like, yes, I'm only 5'11", 184, but I've got this ridiculous ability to generate bat speed, and I don't need to swing hard. And now you're seeing him with a much more contact-oriented approach, and he sees that he can still hit the home runs. He's got three and 40 at-bats, but he's also not striking out nearly as much. He's barreling balls more than anybody in the game right now. 100th percentile per baseball savant. He's speedy, uh, which now he realizes too, you know, if I get on base, I can impact the game in more ways. And he's allowing himself to be more of that dynamic table setter that can hit for some power too. I've actually been lobbying for the Marlins to put him in the leadoff spot because now we're seeing that he's a different hitter. He's not chasing anymore. He's not expanding the zone. And he is just so much fun to watch. I mean, he's one of those guys, I think, where if you're playing against him, you hate him. If he's on your team, you love him. And uh, he's not afraid of anybody, as you can tell. He is not afraid to speak his mind, and he's a lot of fun. And I, I've really enjoyed watching him play. He's walking a lot, and there's just it, it's all good stuff. I'm almost waiting for him to come back to earth a little bit. I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but you know we'll see through this series. <laughs> I keep saying, okay, he's not going to get a couple hits this game, and then he keeps doing it. So it'll be fun to watch this series and see how he goes. But the Marlins are very much – uh, benefiting from him, as you said, especially with Marte gone, they're going to need him to keep doing what he's doing. So this Marlins lineup is going to face Matt Harvey in the Tuesday game and then Bruce Zimmerman in the Wednesday game. And I think for Marlins fans coming into this season, looking at this April series, I would guess that Matt Harvey and Bruce Zimmerman were not two names they thought they would see in this series. You're probably assuming John Means and then you're thinking, okay, which of the Orioles prospects or you know some of these kind of tweener guys like Jorge Lopez uh, or Wade LeBlanc's uh, will we see in this series, but instead, yeah. uh, But instead uh, it's going to be Matt Harvey who has basically turned in a five inning two run performance in each of his first three starts. And then it is Bruce Zimmerman who, you know, does not throw anything crazy overpowering, but has gotten himself through six innings uh, a couple of times and had two out of three quality starts. And so, you know, what do you expect from a Marlins lineup against two guys who you know are not going to overpower you with the fastball, two guys who are not striking out a crazy amount of hitters this year, are just kind of getting outs and getting through innings at this point this season? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that too because I have been uh, on record now with the Marlins fans. Every time I'm like, okay, this looks like a good matchup for, for the fish, they get shut down. And then they face Jacob deGrom or something, and then they get to him. So it's been really weird. Uh, it's been a, very much a Jekyll and Hyde kind of offense. Uh, they were really, really bad to start the season. They've heated up a little bit now, but then all of a sudden they get shut out by Alex Wood. He did look good, I will say, but I, it's just it's it's been really unpredictable with this offense. So to be frank, I, if, if the Marlins put up a six spot on Matt Harvey, I wouldn't be surprised. If Matt Harvey went six shutout, I wouldn't be surprised. It's been that unpredictable with this offense, and that's where – I, I'm surprised to see what Harvey's been doing. And and I wanted to ask you that. Like what what is what has been what have you seen from Matt Harvey? How has he been actually decent so far? Because it's been a long time since I think he's strung together three quality starts in a row. Yeah, the stuff is better. Uh the stuff is as good as it's looked since probably 2016, maybe Matt Harvey. Uh the fastball 
is sitting 92, 93, but he's hitting 95, 96 with movement on that fastball. And it's interesting because his command is not so bad where he's walking a lot of guys. He's just kind of, his pitches don't have the same snap that you're used to with a world series, Matt Harvey. And we knew that coming in, but he, it's not like he misses egregiously, but you know, if he's trying to hit the inside corner, you know, some pitches might leak over the plate and get him in trouble. Or if he's trying to, you know, backdoor that two seamer, he might, you know, just leave it outside too far where it's not a competitive pitch, you know, to, to get a called strike three. And I think he's still trying to refine that. But the big thing with Harvey is, you know, he's been able to put together some solid innings. He, he hasn't gotten himself, you know, deep into a game yet, but I don't know if the Orioles are really expecting that. But he's been good enough where he has, you know, not had huge strikeout numbers, but the breaking ball looks okay and the velocity is back on the fastball. And like he hasn't put together like a string of, you know, six or seven batters even where it looks like, you know, oh, he's really good today. But he just has seemed to get some big outs when he's needed them. Like against the Red Sox a couple weeks ago, he gave up a two run homer in the first to Raphael Devers. Then he gave up a single and double. And it was looking like, all right, here comes the, you know, 2018, 2019 big Matt Harvey inning. And he just kind of settled in and got himself out of a jam and then worked through four more innings. And all of a sudden you look up and it was an appearance of five innings and two runs. And you're like, well, you'll take that for Matt Harvey every single time. So he's kind of just found a way to, to get outs. And kind of the hope is, you know, that he will do that against the Marlins offense. But, you know, this Marlins team coming in, you know, after that horrid start, you know, kind of the last thing I have for you is, you know, what has changed for them to win six of eight and get right back, you know, they're seven and eight on the season coming into the series. Yeah, you know, it was never the pitching, right? It was, the pitching was never the issue. It was really the bullpen. So I guess the, the starting pitching wasn't the issue. The bullpen was the issue and then the offense. And it seemed like in the beginning, you know, you, you're down one run. Uh, it, it seemed insurmountable with how rough the offense was looking. Now that they've got Jazz in the lineup almost every single day, Corey Dickerson's gotten going a little bit more now. And they're trying to find the best rhythm of how to allocate at-bats to Garrett Cooper, Adam Duvall, and then also Dickerson and Aguilar. Because there's a lot of like shuffling around. They can't have all those guys in the same lineup because no DH. So that's been a little bit of a challenge. But now that they've started to settle that in a little bit, it's been solid. Uh, We've seen Brian Anderson kind of get out of it a little bit and start to swing a little bit better. Uh, But the big issue out of the gate was, was Anthony Bass in the closer role. Unfortunately, blowing multiple saves, just not looking good. Uh, the Marlins could have been in a totally different spot, even with the bad offense to start. So as they've started to sort out the bullpen a little bit, that's helped. The starting pitching has been great, though, and that was the really frustrating part early in the season. But now that the bullpen is at least starting to get sorted out a bit, where you know who to go to where, and the offense is a little bit more settled in, you're seeing a team that's starting to figure itself out a bit more. And they just have this ridiculous now where I was saying before in the season where it felt like you were down one zero and it was like over now, all of a sudden, and I feel like it was only a week ago, but now all of a sudden you feel like this is a similar team to 2020 where they just play with nothing to lose. And they're always going to try to take the extra base and teams that play with nothing to lose are scary. And that's exactly why the Marlins, I think were able to do some damage last year. And they've had a couple of good comebacks in the last few ball games. And they're playing with that same kind of chip on their shoulder. And that's been really refreshing to see. And they're very reminiscent of last year. Well, Armin should be a, an interesting series uh, coming up with a couple of teams right under 500 so far this season, uh, just a quick two game set, uh, but uh, should be a, a couple of good games in Miami. But uh, thanks again for uh, coming on the pot. Of course. Anytime, man. 
So we will finish up previewing this series in just a second, but first got to tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We've got the NBA season going into the final month of the regular season, the NHL the same, of course, Major League Baseball in full swing, and then some other things. you got NASCAR going on. You've got the PGA Tour as well, some tennis majors coming up soon even on this sports calendar. You can bet on it all over at betonline.ag, but it's not just sports they cover. They've even got award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and best of all, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, that's promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So our thanks again to Arm Layton, the host of Locked On Marlins here on the Locked On Podcast Network for joining the pod to talk about and preview this quick two-game series between the O's and the Fish down in Miami this week. Now, we want to finish out previewing, look at the matchup for tonight's game and a little bit about this Orioles and Marlins team before we finish up the pod. But first, got to tell you about uh, some exciting content involving the NFL Draft coming up here on the Locked On Podcast Network. April 19th through the 26th, you can listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. And it's not just our mock draft special, but the Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey and follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL Draft coverage right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. But back to the Orioles and Marlins. Again, a quick little two-game series starts tonight in Miami. A 6.40 Eastern time start for today's game, and then a 1.10 Eastern time start for a day game on Wednesday in the two-game stint. Again, we talked with Aram. It is Nick Neidert on the mound for Miami against Matt Harvey for the O's tonight. We talked about what Neidert can bring for Harvey. You know, It's basically been kind of a five innings, two runs, right about that through his first three starts with the Orioles. Tonight is going to be about maybe getting a little deeper into the game. And, you know, Harvey was on track for that in his last start and then gave up that two-run home run and, and got lifted. But I will say, you know, I've still liked what I've seen from him. And, of course, you know, Harvey is used to pitching at Marlins Park and pitching against the Miami Marlins. Of course, was in that division with the Mets. But he is kind of a league-average pitcher in his career against the Marlins. He's made 11 career starts against Miami, has a 4.31 career ERA in 64 and two-thirds innings in his career against the Marlins. At Marlins Park specifically, he has made seven starts and has a 3.83 ERA in 40 innings, so a little better there. But the strikeout to walk has been really good. At Marlins Park, 40 career innings, 36 strikeouts, just eight walks. Of course, a lot of that is the old Matt Harvey. This is not the old Matt Harvey, but at least he's going to be in somewhat of a familiar ballpark to pitch in when he takes on the Marlins here 
on Tuesday night. So it should be a good one between the Fish and the O's here in this one. And then we will be back on the pod tomorrow. We will recap the action from Tuesday night's game. We will talk about what the Orioles potentially did with their roster. Remember Austin Hayes being activated off the injured list for Tuesday's game. We'll talk about the move they make. Will it be you know a Ryan McKenna uh, to the alternate site or a pitcher potentially like Cole Salser back to the alternate site? And then we will also talk about, remember, the Orioles are in a National League park. That means the pitcher is hitting for the next two days. And with the outfield crunch the Orioles now have, with Hayes, Mullins, Santander, Mountcastle, and Stewart all on the roster to go along with Trey Mancini, and without a DH, how in the world are they going to get everybody at bats in these next two days? We will learn that too, and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode as well. Along with the fact that we're going to be joined by Eric Garfield on tomorrow's episode. He covers Orioles prospects over at Utah Street Report, and Eric's going to join us to talk about some of the more lesser-known prospects that he is excited for in the Orioles system in 2021. Eric resides down in the Sarasota area and is always watching spring training games, going over to watch the Orioles Gulf Coast League teams uh, and is around the facility a lot and sees a lot and talks to a lot of people about these, you know, maybe a little more lesser known O's prospects. So we will talk about that with Eric Garfield on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.